welcome to Minute 90 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today on this credit minute, but uh, it's still going to be a fun minute to talk about. So joining me today is Brian Lockhart of Marvel Events Timeline and a whole bunch of other shows, including the Marine Corps Minute, uh, or the Marine Corps Minute, I think it's called, yeah, and the yeah. Hamilton Minute, Hamilton Shot by Shot, and all that stuff. So welcome, welcome back to the show, Brian. I haven't seen, haven't talked to you since since last season. Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks for having me back. I appreciate being on. Well, you, you did such a great job last time, you know, talking about the Great Escape. So I figured, all right, I'll I'll give you prime minutes here, and I'll let you talk about uh, credits with me. <laughs> oh yeah, I would say you saved the best for last, I guess, right? Or of <laughs> course, do it. Well, second to last, you're the, you're the penultimate uh, guest, right? But yeah, yeah, I'm setting, but, setting it up, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> but but that works. That's good. You know, I, I I don't have a problem with it. I mean, as we all know, credits is part of the movie. It's an important part of the movie. You know, it's, it's uh, it tells everyone who worked on this movie. You know, we 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 both know talking about movies minute by minute. You know that it takes thousands upon thousands of people to get a whole movie to work. And, you know, you got to at least give, give those people a little bit of credit, even though most of the time, unless it's a Marvel movie, most people are not going to sit and watch it and read through everything. Or if you're doing a movies by minute podcast, and then you'll actually sit and read through them to try and find some interesting stuff. You know, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the movies from the eighties and nineties where, you know, the the credits are, are, are long enough, you know, a couple minutes, it goes over a couple minutes, but it's not like, 10 minutes because there's like a thousand um you know cgi uh animators you know they have to you have to acknowledge so it's it's a it's a lot quicker than uh what we're more modern movies are right or the lord of the lord of the rings where they have a half hour of credits you know yeah (laughs) right that that, that's just a little too much but yeah (laughs) and and one of the strange things about doing uh minute by minute dealing with credits is that 11 seconds of it we already talked about yesterday (laughs) <laughs> because until it until it's able to scroll up, you know, because you you go all the way down to the to the whatever's listed at the bottom. So you know, we we basically will only have uh, you know forty nine seconds to talk about today, you know. But still, still works unless unless you have something to say about those eleven seconds beforehand. No, you know? no, I think so, I'm, I think I'm all set. <laughs> so right. So I I would basically say that that minute ninety, which again I'm shocked that i've gone through 90 episodes of this already but minute 90 begins with the credits of the video assistant and it will end with uh, a credit for steve martin's hair design <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i mean it's like at the beginning, we basically get the last four normal credits in in the this in this movie you know we get the video assist location manager property master and assistant property master you know, and then after that, it jumps over to the uh, soundtrack. You know, we get to to see about the whole, you know, uh, what what they used to do very differently than they do today. You know, about how they list the the various songs in movies and stuff like that. So, you know, they have a a, a line that says soundtrack available, a soundtrack album available on Hughes Music MCA Records cassettes and compact discs. So the first thing that that jumped out at me is the fact that it's they're listing it as Hughes Music MCA Records, you know, because I guess it's his production company. He's the one who is making sure that all this comes out. Yeah, I saw I, that 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 like jumped right out, and I'm like, did he have his own almost like 
music label or you know production company uh only he had his own production these... company that i know because he right. it was it was for producing the movies but yeah I... all these mo- all his movies have a lot of, you know are are they have like a really they all almost always have a really good soundtrack so i was like does he make a lot of like like a lot of dough or headway in like hey you know i've curated these songs for the movie these soundtracks make a lot of money um you know i basically produce the soundtrack you know that's yeah. what i was wondering yeah seriously but i mean what i found really interesting is again this is 1987 and they mentioned there that it, there are records cassettes and compact discs okay now you and i were both born in the 70s we grew up in the in the 80s i didn't know anything about the compact discs in 1987 mm-hmm. you know it wasn't really something that was known but i like the fact that it mentions all three records cassettes and compact discs so i i, I dove in a little bit to just give people a little bit of of, of an overview as to what what these three different uh recording mediums are okay so first of all a record originally it was a uh it was known as a phonograph record or sometimes known as a gramophone record right and it's an analog sound storage medium in the form of a flat disc with an inscribed modulated spiral groove usually the the groove begins uh, on the outside by the periphery and ends near the center of the disc and they used to make them from uh, shellac which i don't really know what that is do you have any idea what that is no, I've and, heard of it, but I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah, I've heard of it also. I have no idea what that is. And then in the 1940s, they 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 started producing them on polyvinyl chloride, which is known as vinyl. And that's something that you know most records that we know about these days were 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 made on vinyl. Okay, so it was the uh, primary medium used for music reproduction throughout the the, the entire 20th century. It started being used in the late 1880s, and by the 1980s, digital media, when they started having compact discs and stuff like that, uh, gained a much larger uh, market share of what people were using. And basically, after 1991, they they stopped making records. You know, since since the 90s, they there are some records that are being made. But uh, in the 90s and early 2000s, most of the people who used these records at the time were, were disc jockeys and, and you know, people who, who were doing work with music, but not your everyday, you know, uh, average Joe, I guess you can say. They were not doing that. And uh, as of 2017, there were only 48 record pressing facilities around the entire world. 18 of them in the U.S. and 30 in other countries. Hmm. So I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the, the phrase broken record, right? Oh, yeah. So Some broken people record, say I go on like one. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 yet. You, you haven't reached that point yet, so you're good. With me, at least. You know, so it the term broken record actually refers to some sort of malfunction where the needle will skip and jump back and forth to the previous groove and it continues to play the same section over and over indefinitely. So is that what people complain about with you? Is that what you're saying? Definitely my kids. <laughs> well, they say, uh, Dad, you're you're a broken record? You sound like a broken record? Do your kids know no, what a broken bro- record is? No, they mostly <laughs> just say I'm cringe and a boomer. But, you know, that 
<laughs> it applies. <laughs> they know I just go on and on and um and you hear the same things over and over again. Oh, okay. Do you, do you know who invented the phonographs? Um it, it wasn't like Edison or somebody like that, was it? It it was. <laughs> it was actually yeah. Thomas Edison. Very good. Thomas Edison right. invented the phonograph in nineteen in eighteen seventy seven. Okay, and he it, it it was able to both record and reproduce sound. Um, one of the good things about vinyl records is that they are very strong and they don't break very easily. But what's the biggest problem with them? They're big. They scratch. Wow, true. Yeah, and that's what caused the the broken record. And they they attract dust all the time, which is why most records. When I, I remember when I was a kid, most records you saw them with dust covers. You know, they would you'd yes. have to put them back in the dust covers. I don't know how much it really would uh, would help. You hmm. know, in order to to do that. Not really sure. And uh, sometimes the vinyl records could get warped by heat or if you, uh, you know, leave them out in the sun or things like that. So that's the one. That's another reason why people would always keep them in a, you know, in, in a dust cover and then put it in in the cardboard box or the cardboard. Uh, what would you even call it? Cardboard case. Yeah, I would, uh, it's I, like a slot would, where you would put it yeah. in. You know, I remember there were there were very thin cases of cardboard. You know, for each of them, yeah. that you could put them in. Right. So, so that, that that's what I got about records. So the next thing that they talked about were were cassettes, right? So again, you and I know probably know better than than uh, than anyone born <laughs> after the eighties what what cassettes are. <laughs> so do you, do you know what the what a cassettes what the official name of a of a cassette is? I do not. They are known as either compact compact cassettes or music cassettes. Sometimes people call them tape cassettes or cassette tapes or audio cassettes, but most people just call them either a tape or a cassette. And that's an analog magnetic tape recording format that is able to both record and play back. It was created by the Dutch company Philips in September 1963. Oh, yeah. I I didn't know that either. And they 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 made two different types. There was the type that you can you can buy pre-recorded cassettes, like you know you you buy an album on it, and then they have other ones that that are blank that they're recordable that you can write on them. I remember they had those little little things on the side that if you punch the, punch them out, then you can't record on them unless you put like a piece of tape over it. Yeah. You know, they yeah, they had yeah. those in video videotapes also. Yeah, the whole yeah. Thing. So it was. It was much yep. easier. All you do is just put a piece of tape on it, and you can you can record over it without a problem. Right. <laughs> so they they originally designed them to be used for dictation machines, but they quickly became uh, used for for audio and home recording, and eventually people started using them for storage uh, while using computers. Oh yeah yeah. Right. The the first time that someone put a cassette player in a car was in 1968. And between 1970 and the early 2000s, it was it was always considered one of the two most common formats of pre-recorded music. First, it was working at the same time as the as the vinyl records. And then afterwards, once they switched to compact discs, because it was basically the bridge between the two of them. So they had 
the same time the compact discs were were going, people were still. I remember I didn't want to get rid of my cassettes. You know, up until probably the mid two thousands, I had tons and tons of cassettes that I would be listening to all the time. You know, I didn't want to move oh. over to CDs. Same thing. Same well, thing with I, with, uh, with video cassettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still have. I mean, I have a lot of CDs, but I I have a lot of cassettes still. I got rid of a lot, but there's still a few that I kept because um, I acquired my grandmother's car at one point, which had a cassette tape in it. So I pulled all those tapes out, and guess who was cruising around in a in a you know an old person's car for a while? It was me. You know, listening <laughs> to the '80s you know mixtapes that I made '80s and '90s. If it works, why not? Yeah, it still works, so I'm glad I kept Wait, do you some still of them do it? at least. No, but I actually do have an old uh I actually have a Sony Walkman that still works. And every once in a while I'll pull it out and I'll I'll throw a tape in of something that never got replaced on, on C D or, or MP three and I'll just I'll just listen to it. Oh wow. Very <laughs> like when I'm mowing or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tell you I'm old school. I'm like Star Lord. I'm like Star Lord of the movies <laughs> by Minus Community. You're Star Lord, but you're you're living in our world as opposed to right. somewhere in space, which is a little oh, yeah. more of a problem for him to be actually, you know, getting music from somewhere else since he hadn't been back right. to, to Terra, to Terra, right? You know, even though he's a Terran. So in the '70s and '80s, the cassettes became even more popular because they became very effective and convenient and a portable way to listen to music, because they were making stereo tape decks and boomboxes and the thing that you mentioned earlier, a Walkman. Do you know what year the Walkman was created? You're going to tell me like the 70s, but I thought it was like 83 or something like that. It was 1979. You're close. I <laughs> <Close>. see. <laughs> yeah. And basically, once the, the Walkman took off, it, it defined the portable music market for the entire decade of the 1980s. And the, the sales of cassettes uh, skyrocketed. They, they basically, people st stopped using records because of the fact that they could, you know, have something more portable to, to take with them. But one of the biggest problems that they had with cassettes in the 80s was that people were shoplifting them too much because oh, they're, yeah. they're nice and small and easy to stick in your pocket or, or your bag or whatever it is. So you probably remember this just like I do. They used to have these, uh, what are known as spaghetti boxes or locked display <laughs> cases. You know, the, remember you'd have like the, the little cassette and you'd have this huge piece of plastic around it. Yes. Yep. You know. <laughs> yep. And it was now like we know, a carrying case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a carrying case that that only the people in the store had the, the specific key in order to 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 release that. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah. And then uh, basically CDs started becoming more popular. And once they became more popular, so cassettes, first of all, just to give you an idea, cassettes between 1990, in 1990, they, they were selling, they sold 442 million cassettes. Okay. In 1990, how many, how many cassettes do you think they sold in 2007 compared to that? Remember 442 million in 1990. That, that's an astounding number. Maybe like 17 years 000. later. 274,000. That's it. Mm. That's just yeah. crazy. Um, and he, they started using them for audiobooks also. And mm -hmm. in 2002, most of the 
cassettes that people were buying were auto audiobooks. There was more than fifty percent of of all the ones that were being sold at the time were for audiobooks that people were buying were for audiobooks. And part of the problem was is many of them for were for out of print titles, which now people can only get them on these cassettes. You can't even get them on CDs because they never re-recorded them on uh, CDs. Oh, and wow. the the last car besides Brian's grandmother's car that had a cassette player <laughs> option was the 2014 Tag AZ Aquila. I have no idea what that is, but oh. you know that that was the car that you could buy in 2014. So we're talking it's been eight years since you can buy a car with a cassette player already installed in it. And I mean, there you, was a lot of you don't you don't even get CD players anymore. You that's know, right. Most cars and that, it, you yeah, don't get them in it computers wasn't that either. long ago. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh that's yeah. Right. right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And there there was a lot of controversy in in 2011 when the Oxford English Dictionary actually removed the phrase cassette player from <laughs> from from the dictionary because it wasn't being used anymore. And then we got the final thing. The the third thing is the compact discs, right? So what year do you think the compact disc was was created? Well, before 1987, that's for sure, or 1987 at the very least. Right. So it was it was created in 1982, hmm. and it was branded the Digital Audio Compact Disc. It's a digital optical disc data storage format. Right. That format was adapted to be used for data, which is what we know as a CD-ROM. And then you, there was the whole idea of having. Uh, you know, write once audio and data storage, the CDRs and rewritable media, CDRW. There, there's a whole bunch of different types that, that were used here. Now, I remember that, you know, you used to, you know, buy the CD-ROMs, you know, to play games and, and all that stuff in the early 90s and stuff, you know, and it was it was fun to play on them. But, you know, thinking about the amount of storage that they had then compared to what they use today, it's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. You know, when it, when it was first introduced in 1982, a CD could could store more data than a personal computer could. Okay, because most personal computers in 1982 were able to hold only 10 megabytes of storage. Jeez. And now it's the exact opposite because you can have a hard drive that will have – you could put thousands of CDs basically on one hard drive with the amount of storage that people use. You know, it's just unbelievable. And just to give you an idea of, of the, the jump between the sales. So in t 2004, the worldwide sales of any type of CDs was 30 billion. Okay. And wow. how, many, how much do you think it jumped in 2007? Remember, from 2004, three years, from 30 billion to what would you say? No, I'll say sixty billion. Let's say we'll double two two hundred billion. <laughs> there were some two hundred billion CDs, and and what's interesting is is that nowadays that's pretty much obsolete. <laughs> yeah, because right. Most right. people most people are just using regular digital media. You know, you're not going to have them on on different uh, discs and stuff like that. So it continues, and what we have here is people that are related to the to the music aspects of of this movie, you have the musical score, musical editor, sound editors, the score, scoring mixer, orchestrator, 
you know, all the different types of music. Uh, there, there's a total in this minute. There's a total of 41 credits that are listed here for the jobs. Some of them have more than one person on them. Did did any of the, these these credits jump out at you as being a little strange? No, the only thing that jumped out at me was the sheer number of sound and soundtrack people that were listed. But other than that. Like I, I try to look and see if any name kind of jumped out that I recognize is like maybe oh they're gonna go on to do something else and and at the time it did not nothing you know caught my eye so something tells me you're about to, to you you caught something you're about to tell us <laughs> yeah I've, I've had a few I've had a few so first of all the, the list the assistant to John Hughes and then the secretary to John Hughes and then the assistant to John Candy now Steve Martin doesn't have an assistant. Which I found to be a little, little strange. You know, why would, why would the two of them have, and he wouldn't? I, I don't know the answer, as to why. It's possible that he's someone who didn't need it. I don't know. And, and then the, the final credit here, before this minute ends, is what really shocked me. Okay, it's, it says Steve Martin, Steve Martin's hair designed. It says Steve Martin's hair designed by. You know, so why why would it say hair designed by he, he's designing? Someone was designing his hair. You know, you'd say hairstylist, hair exactly. Yeah. But hair designed, and the the woman who is listed here, Tony Ann Walker. So she has seventy two credits in movies that she worked as a hairstylist, and twelve of those she has credits as. Steve Martin's hairstylist. So I, I, I thought that's pretty interesting that uh, that we get that. Hey, stick with people you know. Apparently, yeah. We'll we'll get more to that uh, tomorrow, I think, or maybe uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's tomorrow that we're gonna talk about something with that. So yeah. So I mean, that's all I pretty much have for this minute. Sorry to all the other people in the credits that we're not giving a shout out to. <laughs> you know, we we don't have hours to talk just about each and every one of these people. So. Uh, so <laughs> So even though today is Thursday, so every Monday we have the segments Martin Monday, where my guests will tell their top five Steve Martin performances. So today we're going to hear from Brian about that. So Brian, what are your five favorite Steve Martin performances, starting from number five and working your way up to number one? Okay, so starting from number five up to one, I will say uh, number five is the Muppet movie. Okay. Um, he had a great little cameo role in that. And in fact, if you don't mind, I actually do want to give him one honorable mention before I get to, you know, I already did five, but honorable mention his SNL appearances throughout the years. Yeah. He's always been a great guest. Yeah. He's yeah. just one of, one of the originals was, you know, did the whole five timers club and just, you know, just always great whenever he's on. Yeah. Uh, I so agree yeah, with you on that. Uh, number five, Muppet movie. Uh, number four, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, small role, but memorable when he's in it. He's great. Um, number three, Roxanne. I just always liked that movie, as, especially as a kid. It was on um, HBO a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, number two is My Blue Heaven for me. Um, uh, I think that movie is underrated. He's awesome in that. He. Um, I don't know if you know the story about um, My Blue Heaven. It's it's um, it's basically a sequel to Goodfellas. Because uh, was was uh, Henry Hill? Is that his name yeah. from Goodfellas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ray Liotta plays. So the guy, the real life Henry Hill, was 
giving, you know, he would have these phone interviews for whoever wrote the script or whatever for Goodfellas. And he was telling all about what it was like to be a mobster. Well, that guy's wife was also like a writer or producer or whatever. And she would talk to him too. And he would talk about his time being in, um, uh, witness protection agency, you know, witness protection. Mm -hmm. And she wrote my blue heaven based on the conversations that they had with him. Oh, wow. I did not know that. So yeah, it's amazing. So I was like, Oh wow. You could watch Goodfellas, you know, have the ending and then you go right into my blue heaven. And <laughs> it's a total, totally different take. Oh, wow. And then of course my, my number, my number one is, uh, uh, the jerk. I absolutely just love that movie. It's stupid, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Okay. That that's fair. That is definitely fair. All right. Thank you for that. Well, I know pl <laughs> plane trains and automobiles didn't make the cut, even though that's it, okay. it's, it's a great movie. <laughs> it, it's okay. If it didn't make the cut, there's, you know, on, on, on Sunday, I'll be divulging, you know, where everything is ranked from all, all of my, uh, my guests. So we'll see. We have. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that'll so be fun. When everyone comes back on Sunday, they'll be able to hear that, but you still got, you know, we still got two more days before we get there, but this is the final Steve Martin list before I'll give mine on, on Sunday. So excellent. You know, yeah. people have to come back give a little teaser to come back on Sunday to hear that. But I mean, you should come back tomorrow and Saturday to hear Brian again also, but you know, still. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So every day we we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track where either myself or my guest will give a little story about an adventure or misadventure that one of us has had over the course of our lives. So, Brian, you have a story for us? Yeah, I, I actually do. I So I try to think of some stories that kind of related to the movie. And there was a scene where, you know, they're driving down the road the wrong way and the, and the passing, you know, the people on the other side are like, mm -hmm. Hey, you're going the wrong way. So it made me think of this story. So I used to, when I was in the Marine Corps, I used to drive to Chapel Hill to visit a friend. And that was about three hours away from base. So, you know, I routinely made this, this trip and I would, I would always make sure I didn't want to get in a lot of trouble. So I'd always go about five miles over the speed limit. Well, one day I'm, I'm heading back and I'm, I'm in, you know, one of the bigger towns before I hit the, you know, hit, hit, hit the, um, the boonies and all that. And I get pulled over and I'm, the cop is saying, Hey, I, I are you in uniform? You. I'm not in uniform. This is, this is, you know, this is on a Sunday night. Probably it was, I was in civilian attire. I may or may not have realized I was a Marine. I, I mean, I had my base stickers and all that. I should set it up about a week prior. I was driving a little Ford Ranger at the time, a little, little um, automatic transmission. No, sorry, manual transmission. And the thing died on me. It just Whoa. died on the side of the road. I got stranded. I had to, you know, I had to get a ride from uh, a kindly stranger who took me to a gas station, um, you know, got it towed to the new, uh, nearest Ford dealership, and I got a new transmission put in. Um, all right. So that's that. So I'm, you know, I'm driving five miles over the speed limit. Cop pulls me over. And I mean, I, I probably flashed my military ID because I always tried that shtick if it worked. Never worked near base, but outside of base, sometimes it might. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, long story short, he's, he's like, hey, I, I uh, you know, I, I paced you. Uh, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm, you know, I, I serve the crap out of cops, especially at that time. You know, yes, sir. No, sir. Everything, sir. Hey. 
I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, how, how fast did you say I was going? I'm like, I, I was, you know, I admitted I go, I went five miles over the speed limit. Um, well, I got you going like 15 over or something like that. I'm like, I'm like, sir, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I drive this all the time. I, I just, I never do that. And he's like, well, you know, I paced you. And I'm like, well, do you have the, you know, of course I'm, I'm trying to be polite without being disrespectful. You know, like I'm trying to like argue my case without being disrespectful. And, and I'm like, well, sir, I mean, I just, I, I'm telling you, I just like, I was doing like 70 and not, you know, instead of 65, I'm like, yes, I'm admitting to speeding, but only five miles. I'm surprised he pulled me over. And he's like, ah, you know, you were doing like 80. And I'm like, I'm like, that's just, sir, I just don't do that. And blah, blah, blah. And he's like, why pasty? I pasty. And I'm like, I'm like, are, are you sure? Cause I'm like, sir, I'm, you know, so just that's going on and on. He finally gets frustrated with me and he's like, look, do you want to argue with me all night? And I'm like, no, sir. I I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to argue, you know, I'm like apologizing. So he must've taken pity on me. He gives me a, he gives me a, a warning, you know, a warning ticket, which in, in my state really doesn't mean a lot. You don't have to do anything with it. It's kind of like, Hey, we got your number. We got your, Means you know, don't get pulled over your, again. Your, yeah, exa- exactly. Don't, especially tonight. Like if you get pulled, I'm like, so whatever. I'm like, you know, so I'm, I'm like, I don't know what that guy's problem was, but I didn't, you know, I don't know what, you know, whatever. So it's like a week later and the friend that I visit in Chapel Hill is now visiting me near base and she's going to follow me back in my car, in her car. So there's a big stretch of land that like, it just opens up. You get out of town, there's farmland. You just right down the highway very easy to speed and do that. And I'm blowing her doors off. She is way behind me in her car. And I'm like, she's got a lead foot. So I'm like, why is she not keeping up with me? And, uh, I slow down a little bit and she's comes running up. You know, pulls beside me and I roll down there. I can tell she's trying to flag me down. And, uh, and the speed limit is like 55, let's say at the time. And I, I rolled the window down (laughs) She's yelling out over the you know the other window. You're going 75. I look down at my speedometer. I'm doing 55. She's like, "You're going 75." Apparently, so I was like, like, "I we figured out what happened." Apparently, when they redid my transmission, they didn't calibrate something accurately. So the so the slower I went, you know, if I went 35 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour on base, I was doing about 30 miles an hour, maybe. 32 but the further i got away you know the faster i went the further i got away from the truth and i was even though i was looking at one thing so that cop was correct i was speeding wow. but according to my speedometer i was dead on five miles over in a speed limit i was really doing about 15 miles over or you know or even 20 at that point whatever it was and so i was like all right you know you i'll follow you the rest of the way <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to take it back and they, you know, I had argued with Ford. I'm like, you need to calibrate this. And they're like, well, that's an extra. I'm like, no, you should have done it the first time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that was, that was my experience with like somebody yelling at me on the highway that, you know, I was doing something wrong when I was totally unaware that I was doing something wrong. Wow. <laughs> that is such a great story. And it does fit in very well with this movie. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you, Brian? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got a couple of active podcasts right now, Hamilton Shot by Shot, where I'm going through um, Ham- the movie Hamilton, well, the you know, the musical Hamilton, one song at a time. And that is just uh, Hamilton um, underscore SBS at Twitter, if you want to find us there. 
Um, I got Marvel Events Timeline Podcast, which I believe is just um, – they have a Facebook page. If you want to find the group for that, well, they, it's me and uh, Travis Bow. Um, we are doing uh, Marvel Comics um, starting in the 30s, hitting every major event up till present day eventually. Yeah, that's a, I, we, I really enjoy listening to that, even though even though each episode is like two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're working on that. And, and I think as, as we get into um, – you know, the individual issues where it's a longer story, they, they will, they will be shorter, but more frequent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're getting there. Uh, we're, we're still, fi- it's still early. We're finding our footing. But no, that's fine. Time. I, I enjoy listening to it. I'm not, I'm not complaining yeah, from that perspective. Great. I appreciate it. I, I'm glad to hear that, honestly, but that can be found. Let's say a Facebook, uh, at, uh, I believe it's Marvel events. Baxter building break room is a Facebook group. If you want to search for us there. And then my 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 initial go at this movie's by minutes um, uh, thing has been the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast, and that can just be found at uh, Marine Corps Movie Pod on Instagram. All right, excellent. Thank you very much. And finding me is very simple. Also, first of all, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me, just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, and you can go to my website. So, Brian, you feel like coming back again tomorrow? Yes, I do. All right, great. So, until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine.